so I would I would scratch and kick and punch and all of those beautiful things that children do when they really really want attention (laughs) (laughs) and really want to feel secure so yeah I was really good at that but I guess what happened was I had this super fragmented idea of myself that I wanted to be good and I wanted Jesus to make me good but I had these horrible things living inside me and the world was a crazy scary place. Free falling with the coach and the counsellor Daryl and Beck. Making sense of connection, spirituality and being human. Episode 3 already. What the heck? Yeah. We've nearly been recording for a month. That's crazy. The world has changed so much. It has. Yeah. Now that it's post-corona and all that. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Mm. Not sure it happens that fast. Mm, No. Yeah. Time will tell. So today we want to find out about an amazing person. Oh. And um, that'd be you. (laughs) That's so cute. I've got to say, as much as I like talking about myself, because I'm an only child and the world... I'm pretty sure it does revolve around me. I'm a little bit nervous and I was far more comfortable when we were talking about you in episode two. That was great. It was great hearing about you. It's just all a bit embarrassing, but I'm sure that we'll warm up and... Yeah, it'll happen. It'll happen. So tell us about how it is that you came to be in this place that we are today where we're recording a podcast, where we're talking about life and Mm. God and all that kind of thing. What were the key points for you that kind of, I don't know, that make up that story that gets us here? Yeah, gosh, what weren't the key points in terms of the way I look at life where I see the world with just these threads of connection. So it's really hard to pull apart, you know, because everything led to another step that led to another step. So I'll I'll try to focus on the big ones. I guess... It has to. It has to go back to my childhood. So I was born into a Christian home, to Christian parents, and then my parents divorced when I was four and separated when I was four. And it was around the age of four. I remember it so clearly. We were on the way to church, and I told my mum I wanted Jesus to live in my heart. Okay. And so at four, I made that lifelong decision. <laughs> to make Jesus Christ my personal Lord and Saviour and and said the prayer. And, yeah, my mum, being a single mum, she relied heavily on church community. It was her support. That was the only support she had. And so we found ourselves often in communities that were a little more extreme and leaning towards teaching that was very much focused on spiritual warfare. So from a really early age, our bookshelf was just full of books on spiritual warfare and demonic possession and how to get free of it. And, you know, these people have set up all these ministries. And so from about age 10, I was reading these books on demonic possession and and I had been sent to prayer sessions that were basically no they weren't basic they were mild exorcisms from the age of four because I was a kid that was deeply confused and acting out and trying to make sense of the world and exhibiting all these behaviors 
because I was, you know, rejected and sad that my parents were to get, weren't together and, you know, experiencing all this stuff. What was an example of a behaviour that, you know, was pulled I out? I to... was angry. Okay. I was an angry, angry kid. So both my parents are only children and I'm an only child. So there's no family. There's no cousins. There's no uncles and aunties and blah, blah. It's just, it was just my mum and I. And uh, I was just angry. So she was the one that I would take it out on. And she obviously didn't know what to do with it and and didn't have the skills in psychology to know what was happening. And so... But had a very supportive Christian community. Yeah, that was saying this for sure is yeah. demonic. This mm-hmm. is demonic. So I would I would scratch and kick and punch and all of those beautiful things that children do when they really really want attention <laughs> and really want to feel secure so yeah I was really good at that but I guess what happened was I had this super fragmented idea of myself that I wanted to be good and I wanted Jesus to make me good but I had these horrible things living inside me and the mm. world was a crazy scary place and I had no real no self-worth and no self love because I was horrible and I've been told that I was horrible and you're a part of the human race which is horrible exactly and I was you know we were in a really strict environment and some of the teaching that she was receiving and seeking out heavily advised against a lot of things that were happening in in the world so cartoons movies children I wasn't allowed to read fiction unless it was Christian I wasn't allowed to watch cartoons I wasn't allowed to blah 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 blah. the Smurfs were demonic because they were little blue demons um you know all all of this tell us about Santa oh Santa (laughs) I I was not taught about Santa I was taught about Saint Nick but that um people just invented Santa and that it was super dangerous to really take on that philosophy because Santa is only one letter away from Satan. <gasps> I know. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. Yep. And so real, and it's trying to distract you from the true meaning of Christmas because Jesus is the reason for the season. Ah. And I even had a brooch that said that and I used to wear it with pride everywhere. And you can imagine that even in a Christian school, I was not one of the normal kids like... This wasn't normal in my Christian community. So I was odd. I was angry. I was weird. And I didn't have a whole heap of friends. And the friends I did have were trying very hard to love me. But I was a little bit fucking nuts, really. (laughs) Let's be real. I was just this weird freaking kid. And so I continued in the church. And I I sang at anti-abortion rallies. I used to sing. I was in a choir. Loved that did protests at these rallies as an early teenager not really having any clue of how flopping complicated life is but hey I had all the answers and abortions murder and you know had to fly the flag oh and I wore a purity ring (gasps) you heard of purity rings the purity movement so basically you're married to Jesus and you wear a ring and pledge your virginity to Jesus because that's not creepy as fuck and that was super awkward when I did lose my virginity <laughs> and I had to take off my purity ring and, <clears throat> yeah. Oh, awkward. and now everybody knew. And everybody knew, <laughs> yeah. I had some really wise 
leaders around me at the time that were like, you know what, you can just keep wearing it and it's fine and it's nobody's business. Just don't do it again. Ha! Because <laughs> that's a really, you know, once that can of worms is open, it's really hard to, you know, get it back. Mm, excellent. Um, and so I was involved in this super fundamental community and I rebelled. I started to feel like school was not my thing. So I left school, did my own thing, got into some really dark, heavy stuff. More than just the usual drugs and alcohol, I slipped pretty So how old were deep. you at this time? So I was 16. 16. Okay. I was 16 at this time. And then, yeah, from 16 to, say, 19, pretty slippery slope. And yeah, not just your basic stuff. Like, I got into seeing how the crime world works oh. and, and I have some pretty cool stories about that but I guess I want to stop there for a minute and say um, I'm not trying to be sketchy about my story or hide stuff I just have come to a place in my life where I'm quite protective of my story and um, and I'm more than happy to touch on stuff as we progress in episodes and I'm sure that stuff will come out as we relate but um, for now I... I'm really wary that we can become consumers about each other's stories yeah. and I'm guilty of it too. I, and I don't want that to happen in this space. I want us to create a space together where we're sharing each other's stories and really respecting them. Yeah. So were we going to jump? So we're from, we've done 16 to 19. So got, well, 16 to 19, something kind of significant happened yeah. in there. Okay. Uh, I became a mum. So amid all the crazy, amid the drugs, amid this crazy, crazy lifestyle, I fell pregnant and realised that that was a turning point in my life. I had a decision to make. Did I want to keep this child? Knowing that that would save my life. Or continue on this path that was really just hellbent on destruction and self-sabotage and I chose to have my baby and I did that alone I was a single mum the biological father didn't want anything to do with it he was a lot older than me and had his own stuff going on so I did that by myself and wow. became a single mama that is and so big isn't that, it that it was pretty big yeah it's a pretty big part of my story and my mum and I have a super complicated relationship, but I have to say she was there for me and incredibly supportive and allowed me to be in the home and to raise my child in, in the home. So that was incredible. And really thanks to her faith, actually. So that, you know, there is something to be said for that. But yeah, that was pretty flop and huge. And so during that time where I was living my crazy life, I had walked away from the church and once I was pregnant, I came back and everyone called me the prodigal daughter. I was the girl that came back and everyone was very proud and it was very exciting. But I became a project because Christians love a project. Mm. We love to know that we're reaching out to people and doing something really valuable and investing in people. And, and that's what happened. And I'm sure the intentions were good, but there were some pretty key moments that made it made me realize that you know so some of this is a little off for example one of the women in the church super sweet decided to throw a baby shower for me when I was pregnant gorgeous but sent out the invitations for people who would like to come to Belinda's baby shower <laughs> whoops whoops who's that who's that <laughs> not me awkward so maybe just saying if you're going to throw a baby shower for a pregnant teen that's coming into your church, get the name right. That's all. Just, just basic <laughs> stuff, basic, guys. Yeah. 
But again, amazing, beautiful community and really supportive. And then I got married. I found this incredible man who I am just ridiculously in love with. And we went on to have two other children and decided to raise our children in a Christian environment, Christian school, and got involved in church together and then ministry together and ended up with you guys Mm. at church with you guys and doing prayer ministry with your wife. But I think in doing prayer ministry with people, all of this is going somewhere, by the way, Daryl. So Carrie and I were super blessed that we would be able to sit down and people would tell us the really personal stuff that was happening in their lives. And we were there to offer spiritual guidance and to really tie it all in a nice spiritual bow. The problem is <laughs> the more time we spent with people and we had some incredible moments where I honestly believe God was speaking to people. I don't even know what that looks like. I'm still trying to come to terms with what that looks like post deconstruction, but had these moments where we were really connecting with people, but it still wasn't enough because people have complex needs. People have had a lifetime of developing coping strategies that require more than just a prayer and a quick fix. They need tools and skills and ongoing counseling and ongoing ways to connect. And, and so I started looking into that and I had always been passionate about counseling. Yeah. Well, I had kind of like always known that it was part of my natural, how I interact with people. I decided to go ahead and do the counselling thing and so started studying counselling. I'm nearly at the end of that and it has changed my world Mm. and the way that I see and understand so much of what Christianity would like to put in a box as negative behaviour or sinful behaviour is actually in some cases incredibly complex creative creative intelligent ways of dealing with truly horrific shitty circumstances and i have a real respect for that i don't see it as brokenness i see it as humans trying to do the very best that they can with what they've got at the time and that is to be commended and at some point it becomes clear that they're no longer helpful or they're no longer serving the person and that's where I'm happy to step in. But until that happens, we have to do better at realizing that people are doing the best that they can. And now I'm just on my soapbox preaching about what I am so passionate about. Yeah. So you can do that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and I will give me the microphone and I will stand for as long as the soapbox will hold me. And so that really, really started to shift the way that I was listening to sermons the way that I was being involved in the church because suddenly I'm hearing this stuff from the front and small groups and with our leader, you know, and I just don't agree with it. Like more and more, I just found myself calling bullshit. This isn't right. And where, you know, I don't think that people are as broken and sinful as we think they are. And I don't think sin is what we think it is. Mm -hmm. That's a whole other episode. But I think that we take away um, people's 
autonomy and we try to fit them in this box and try to say this is good for you and this is best for you and it's just not like that we're individuals and we're unique and we have our own ways of seeing the world and we are supposed to it is what makes us beautiful and unique and so more and more I felt like I didn't belong at church and that I couldn't uphold some of the core values and I think for me it really reached ahead when Australia as a nation were debating same-sex marriage. We were doing the referendum and some of the stuff I heard in my church from the front broke my heart. I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't be complicit with a group of people that were trying to other people who were just looking for somewhere to be loved and somehow people that they fell in love with were being called into question like it just wasn't making sense to me and so I started to retreat from that point I stepped down from leading prayer ministry I stepped down from leading services and pulled away we were leading a life group as well or home group or bible study as people would call it stepped away from all of that and slowly took a step back from the church and then two years ago I had a operation that was supposed to be a super quick day surgery and something went terribly wrong and after a number of colossal fuck-ups by medical uh, staff I nearly died actual proper nearly died Uh (laughs) yeah horrific yes and um, touch and go for there for a while yeah yeah and uh, it changed everything I had just done a subject of existential counselling, (laughs) literally just finished that like a month earlier. And so it was already questioning my faith. I'm stepping away from things. I've just done existential counselling and decided that is my niche. That is my thing. That is what I am. If, If we have to label me, which you know me, I don't like labels. Don't do that to me. But that's my thing, existential counselling. And then I have this. Can you put it? Can you put it just a definition for us of what that means? So it's really broad. It's hard to try to put that into a definition. For me personally, it means that I'm not working within set theories, okay? uh, Like psychological counselling theories. I am very much focused on the relationship between counsellor and client, and I believe more than anything that when you sit face to face you create something and you create that space and all change comes out of that and it means I make myself fully available to you in that moment and even share some of the stuff that might be going on for me when you tell your story yeah. um, which is a bit different from other counseling other counseling like, mm-hmm, right and and you don't give a lot of yourself away uh, whereas in existential counseling you might say I felt moved by what you said then and and you work within that and you acknowledge that you are both having this human experience and trying to make sense of it and you know yeah through that way awesome and so I've just done I've just done that subject and then had this huge thing that was life-changing and really rocked my world it's taken a full two years to recover from that and the first year I was very much not okay as you and Kerry have witnessed and journeyed with me and Mm. you know cried and laughed and supported me just looking at what was not okay for you then what did that actually look like in what that looked like day to day or what was actually going on through your mind so i was just having 
what I now know to be acute stress disorder, heading rapidly towards PTSD. Sure. So firstly, I was having cognitive issues. Like I just, I couldn't get sentences together. I often couldn't get my words out. My emotions were all over the place and I just couldn't cope with anything. I was writing prolifically before that, had a blog, loved writing. I couldn't do any of that. I really shut myself in. I couldn't stand social media and I really couldn't function day-to-day things. So even the kids bringing home a note from school to be signed, I could not do it because it was another demand on me. I think it also was a burnout of like all this time of you know serving and doing and just suddenly I was not okay and completely burnt out and couldn't even text people back because it was another demand and really I was just trying to survive day to day and I think it was another losing my faith or re-examining my faith because everything I had come to know all the tools that I had leaned on in my past didn't seem to work anymore like there were no answers for what was going on I was receiving platitudes to the deep questions I was asking and it was bullshit it wasn't enough anymore and I wasn't content with it I wanted answers and even from the medical community I remember going to my doctor and asked for a referral to a psychologist and these were her exact words I know you nearly died or whatever or whatever whatever, (laughs) but you should be happy you didn't you didn't die and I said I know I should be happy I'm trying to get there that's why I want the referral and I never ended up seeing the person so I was like if this is what I met with I just can't it's just another judgment on me of how I should be like fuck off I know I know I'm not okay I know I should be happy but unfortunately that's just not what my brain is doing at this point in time Mm. and it became really clear to me that I was going to have to do this on my own And it has honestly changed my life. I had a phone call with my dad and I had just managed to get out of bed because I still had a lot of physical injury from um, what was happening. I had said I was going to do a little bit of exercise and try to stretch a bit. And he said, that's great. You know best what you need. You know what your body needs and you just do that. That is the first time Mm. in my entire life I was 38, 37 years old, and it is the first time in my life that someone had said, you know best, because I had been told my whole life, I don't know what's best, because um, as sinners, as fallen, we are open to deception, so you can't trust your rational mind, you can't trust any of that, because you can be deceived, and it was the first time I gave myself permission to know what to do, and... And that's how I just started living from that point that actually if I just listen to what's going on, I do know what's best. And it changed everything, Mm. but it also turned everything I've ever believed upside down because suddenly I realized we have, me included, have spent so much time telling people, Jesus is the answer. You just need this. Just read your Bible, believe more, do this, do, pray, blah, blah, blah. Five steps. Exactly. And it's just not, life is not that simple. Life is complicated and hard. Like we are constantly shifting and changing and you have to work within that. And what was right for me last week might not be right this week, Mm. but I know what's best. 
and I have been given this deep intuition and I'm okay to trust it. And it was like I'd finally given myself permission to trust that mm. inner voice and know that I'm okay. Yeah. I'm There's okay. something in that for all of us, isn't there really? Yeah. Don't? Yeah. Wow. And we don't always get there. That's the That's thing. Right. I suppose it's, you know, you've got that crisis and then some other point in a conversation which just tips something yeah, for you absolutely. just to give you a clue. I'd 10 out of 10 recommend not doing the nearly done thing <laughs> prior to deconstruction. Like if you can get to deconstruction without having to go through that, amazing, do that. Yeah, please. it's yeah. probably not as risky. Yeah, exactly. Mm. But yeah, I guess that leads me to where I am now because the last two years... I've not been okay with, like, I've probably been a complete pain in the ass to be friends with, to live with, because I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not doing the bullshit, and I'm going to ask why about everything. I've gone back to my toddler days. Why? Mm. Why? Why? Yeah, yeah. Good question. Yeah. <laughs> and it's led us here. Yeah. And I think, um, I think one of the most profound things that has come out of my friendship with you and with Carrie and Jordan as we all sit together is the realisation that after years of being in leadership and telling people how to be and how to do and having that, you know, been told that, that actually we don't know anything. We know nothing about anything and yet we know a little bit of something. That sounds like word salad probably to some people, but it has been profound that we don't have all the answers. And there's something incredibly freeing about that. Mm. I think for me, that's uh, there's some way that everything fits together. We yeah. just don't know it. Yeah. But there are good questions to ask. Yeah. <laughs> How for does sure. this fit with that? Yeah. What is that about? Mm. How can. If this is how the world works this way, how does that work in this area, you know? That's mm. right. Yeah. So much to discover, I suppose, or there really rediscover, is. or there really is. Call. Yeah, I had a husband. Uh, I had a husband. I did. Oh. I did. I do. It's the same one, same actually. One. Yeah. Uh, Recycled. I had a com- <laughs> <laughs> some days. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> had a conversation with my husband in bed the other night. Good place for it. Good place for it, really. And we were talking about I don't know stuff from the past about questioning. And how, as a child, I wasn't allowed to read fiction. And I wasn't allowed to read secular science or get involved in that. It had to be creationism stuff only. And even psychology, we had to be really wary of it because, you know, so many of them were occultists, or mm-hmm. you know. And Jordan said, so really anything that asked questions, yeah. you weren't allowed to do. And I was like, wow, yeah. Exactly, and I think this space is about asking questions. Yeah, and absolutely that it's totally okay. Yeah, and you know, someone said it to me once, but I think we can be as believers in a, a big divine creator. Mm. Mm. I think we can trust to ask those questions without it ruining the world if yeah. you know what I mean yeah because it seems that what we've come out of if you ask a question mm. everything the whole house of cards yes. will crumble yes yeah but we we can have a confidence in asking of our creator any question we like mm. it's only going to lead back to him that's right we can have that confidence yeah you know it's a different foundation somehow yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he just said be. him. He called God him. Ah. Oh. Ah. Oh. Damn it. Which is fine because that's part of that's part who of who she is. Yeah. <laughs> they are. They. Who they. They. My new thing is they. They. God is they. Yeah. Because they are. Yeah. yeah. I think cool. it just helps my brain to get around. Well, maybe they aren't. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All 12 of them. <laughs> okay, I haven't gotten that far. But maybe. maybe. Who knows? Mm. Who knows what snippet of the divine we are able to actually grasp yeah. with these beautiful but sometimes small minds. <laughs> That's my story, Dale Brown. Go. That's it. Awesome. So probably over the next few weeks then, we'll go through, pick out some of the themes that have been our epiphanies or challenges yeah. that have been in our lives and deconstruct those yeah. or reconstruct those or pull them apart and put them back together For again. Sure. Or, something like or that. not, or just leave them yeah. strewn across the room. Yeah. Like a toddler's playroom. Like, <laughs> why not? I personally would love people to get in touch and say things that they have questioned or anything that might have resonated for them or something they want to hear more about. That would be cool. That would be cool. I suppose that's something that we want to build, isn't it? Is a kind of a community around this. And as we talked about before and as you mentioned before, you know, we're not here alone Mm. and it's not about doing life alone we can do this together and share our humanity together mm. and go on that search, that adventure yeah. and do that with some people that are kind of doing the same yeah. thing. Because yeah. we are our stories and we are each other's stories and we nothing if we don't come together and yeah. truly listen and absorb ourselves in those. Yeah. Something I'm really passionate about i want to hear the story yeah tell me how you are in the world and why very cool very cool hey we'd love to get to know you and your friends so keep in touch don't forget to subscribe to our show in your favorite podcast app like our facebook page and even make a comment we'd love to hear your story and look if other people come to mind who might get something out of our little chats tell them about us with your help we look forward to building a wonderful supportive community together